Hey screensavers, this is Matt. I'm coming to you from the editing booth this week with a trigger warning for the following episode, especially when we get into spoiler territory for the film Men. When we do get into spoilers, we do touch upon themes of emotional abuse, physical abuse, suicide, gaslighting, etc. If these are topics that you are sensitive to, this is your warning. I do still encourage you to check out our non-spoiler, as we do avoid the triggering subjects in that segment. But with all that said, here is our episode on Alex Garland and men. Welcome, Screensavers. I'm Michael Gallat. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today is the day to talk about Men, the new movie from Alex Garland, whose career we will also be discussing. But first, I just want to mention that our Tee Public store is up. We got shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers. All of us got our merchandise, and it is looking awesome. The link is on our socials, but if you don't have that, you can go to tpublic.com slash user slash silver dash screen dash savers dash podcasts and check out some of that cool stuff. How are you guys liking your stuff? I still haven't gotten my t-shirt. I'm liking my t-shirt. I have received it. All right, so now time for our weekly watch list. Matt, what have you been watching this week? Um, so I watched, uh, I basically watched enough to catch up on Alex Garland's work. I watched Ex Machina, and I also, the surprise hit of the weekend was Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the Chippendale yeah. reboot, which I'm not going to say too much about that now because um, I guess we can spoil it now. We're dropping two episodes this week, one being this one. And a mini bonus episode on Chippendale Rescue Rangers, so definitely stay tuned for that. Tyler. I have the same watch lists. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't watch too much either, except uh, preparing for something big happening next week. Uh, but I also watched Jackass 4.5. It's on Netflix. It's the same as 2.5, 3.5. It's some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, deleted stunts from Jackass Forever. If you're a fan, it's a lot of fun. It's a nice, breezy watch. Also, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, stick out for that mini-sode because that was one of the best watching experiences of the year, for me at least. Let's talk about one trailer, the 3,000 Years of Longing trailer. This is the new George Miller, who has an incredibly varied career, and it looks as though he's bringing something that is as unique as many of his movies are. Matt, what did you think of this? I thought it looked pretty intriguing, honestly. Um, I, my first thought is it almost gave me a little bit of the same vibes that I got when I saw the trailer for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Not necessarily because of, like, I can't quite place what it was, because the, the narrative is definitely different, but it's still got that kind of, like, fantastical, but it also looks like it's going to be, like, wild and a little weird. But, I mean, George Miller's other work is also kind of like that, too. But, um... I, uh, I I think it looks very interesting. Yeah, we have Tilda Swinton as unlocking, un, unbottling a genie, Idris Elba. Um, and it's, it's just some wacky set pieces after that. Tyler, what did you think? 
I was getting a lot of happy feet vibes from it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it looks really interesting, and I love Idris Elba, so anything he's in, I'm in. So. Yeah, played it at Cannes. Seems to be getting some mixed reviews, which I don't I don't ever like to read stuff too early, um, but I just kind of heard this and was fascinated by that. I believe this is going to come out late in August or early in September. Um, I will check the date on that. Can we also talk about Crimes of the Future really quick? Yeah. I um I watched... I mean, Neon's been promoting this thing pretty heavily. I think it just premiered at Cannes. Um, either it just did or it's about to. But, I mean, Neon's been pushing it pretty good. And um, I think it looks pretty interesting. It looks weird. It looks, Some of the imagery looks pretty grotesque that they've released so far. It's David Cronenberg, so I'm pretty stoked for it. Um, it's got... An, all-star cast i mean i'm i'm just very excited for it i don't know about you guys yeah we got vigo mortensen kristen stewart lacy do um anytime david cronenberg is doing stuff it's been too long since he made his last movie which i believe was maps to the stars several years ago um and tell you this about david cronenberg one we're going to do an episode about crimes of the future and about him but two just a filmmaker that is never boring which (laughs) I find is rare. You're always entertained to the very least when you watch something by him. All right, moving on to another fascinating director. We have Alex Garland. So his new movie, Men, recently came out. We saw it, and I, we kind of have some thoughts. Not, I don't know if any of these thoughts are fully formed. I know, I know mine are not, but in general, what do you guys think of when you think Alex Garland? How do you feel about his other movies? When I think of Alex Garland, I, th- I mean, I think of pretty, like, quote, high-concept sci-fi type stuff. Um, his stuff really makes you think, It's and a lot of metaphor with the writing. Um, the imagery is absolutely gorgeous, the way that a lot of his movies are shot. Just, like, these serene but foreboding um, locales. And then when you get into the plots of his movies there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of mystery and things happen a lot of them are kind of slow burns i would say um especially with ex machina which is like the alex garland movie to watch if nothing else yeah i definitely agree tyler what do you think so when i think of him i think of kind of like these small casts that he brings together you don't have that many characters and i mean he's only done three films at this point um directed but um not they don't really have a large cast very um claustrophobic almost it's they're all in this similar location um and he just gets the most out of that um and it's really interesting to see what he does just with the limited premise that he sets up all right, yeah, when I think of Alex Garland, Matt, like you said, I think of just like the coolest sci-fi around, super smart, super complex. I'm never like entirely sure how I feel about his movies. Not that I don't know how I feel. I always like them, but I never come to like definite interpretations of his movies. I always keep thinking about them, which I really, really like. Um you know, he has three directorial efforts so far, but he was a screenwriter and novelist for years. He wrote The Beach, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Never Let Me Go, um, which is a movie that I've always been afraid to watch. Not because I don't think, well, kind of because I don't think it'll be good. Not that I don't trust the people who made it, but 
Kazuo Ishiguro, who wrote the novel, is one of my favorite all-time tippity-top-of-the-mountain writers, and I love that book. And I'm just like a little bit afraid to watch it and not like it, but maybe one day I'll get to it. But he just has such a way of integrating these huge concepts into a, a relatable narrative that is so much more than you think it is when you first watch it. Um, and he's always got these these themes of this struggle of control between human beings and some other force. It's always people trying to have rational responses to absurd phenomena. He talks about human error applied to systems that aren't designed to accommodate human flaws. And also, one of the biggest things is like the coexistence of technology and natural environment. In other movies, these things are often pitted against each other um, as antagonistic. And sometimes that's true in his work, but sometimes they just like coexist and grow off of each other and blend into something uh, something new, which is also transformation is a huge thing in his. So 2015, he starts out directing with Ex Machina. This is about a young tech employee who is invited to the home of his company CEO to view his new experiments in artificial intelligence. I think this movie is a knockout. Probably the best movie about AI in recent years and the blending of AI and humanity. Alicia Vikander's completely believable, captivating. Domino Gleason and Oscar Isaac are awesome too. Um, I forget, one of you guys said that that was one of the first times that you had seen Oscar Isaac Tyler. You did, right? Yeah, Sex Machina was one of my first Oscar Isaac movies. Yeah, it was for me too. And I, this movie is also really scary. It's a super tense thriller, raises numerous questions about the growing role of technology in our lives, not only in our lives, but like to our personhood. It has an awesome ending, which so many movies don't stick the landing, but this one totally does. He really came out of the gate strong with this one. Do you guys like Ex Machina? Yeah, I, I mean, I just watched this recently and I hadn't seen it since around when it came out and I forgot how much, how great this movie was. Like, this was so insanely good. And it's kind of disappointing to me that he just has not reached... Alex Garland has not reached this movie since um, he, his second effort. I, I like his other movies. I'll say that now, but there's just none of them are as good as Ex Machina was. I gotta say, it was pretty funny watching this movie because even the first time I saw this movie, I saw it a bit later than when it was initially out and and um, sort of relevant, I guess. Um, so I watched it after I had already seen the Star Wars sequels, so. Some of the questions I have during this movie is, why is Poe Dameron dancing in front of General Hux like that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's true. And it's actually kind of funny, because I had that same experience with Inside Lewin Davis, which actually Tyler was the one that pointed it out to me after we saw Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And he's like, oh, well, here's this clip of, of Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac, and Justin Timberlake singing a song. Like a like a corny folk song, and that's still one of my favorite clips, movie clips to this day. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's really fun. I think Kylo Ren was maybe the first time I like knew Adam Driver as Adam Driver, which is an odd role. But I, like when I think of his career now, I don't even think of Kylo Ren. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the intro for me. You know, what's funny to me is when I saw Force Awakens, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from Girls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Girls. That's true. 
Yeah, I forgot about Girls. Girls was like a phenomenon when it first came on the scene. I'm, I'm glad we're making some time to talk about girls on a podcast about men. <laughs> but, but for real, though, I, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree with both of what you guys said about Ex Machina. It's, it's definitely just like, it's such a good movie, and it, it, I believe it's going to stand the test of time. Yeah, it's excellent. Three years later, we get Annihilation. This is about a group of soldiers who are sent into an, an ever-evolving biozone. I wasn't as into this one the first time I saw it when it first came out, but re-watching it has really helped me appreciate it. The Shimmer, which is kind of like the biozone that is created, is a magnificently menacing, beautiful world on its own. The time jump style of this movie can be confusing on a first and even like on a second viewing is confusing, but I think it plays nicely to the ambiguity of the story and the bear scene. If nobody has seen the bear scene, go watch Annihilation, go see the bear scene. It remains one of the most terrifying in recent memory. It's one of those that I'm watching. I'm just like, wow, they did it. <laughs> nice job. And like Ex Machina, it explores this question of transformation and how much can you change before you are no longer yourself, right? What is identity in an ever state of transformation? Um, how about Annihilation, guys? What do you think? Well, this is another Star Wars alum experience for me, but I was confused why Padme Amidala was hanging out with Poe Dameron when they're like decades apart in age. I thought it was kind of weird. That is not an issue for Padme, <laughs> as we know. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I actually only saw Annihilation once. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it going into this episode, but... I, I remember it being fine. I remember enjoying it. I'm a huge Natalie Portman fan, huge Oscar Isaac fan. Honestly, the whole cast in this movie was pretty solid. Um, just to follow up on, like uh, like you said, Tyler, to follow up a movie like Ex Machina with anything is a daunting task, so I can't really blame him for it not being the strongest effort. I mean, I can blame him for making a movie as good as Ex Machina and then trying to follow <laughs> it up, I guess, but... No, I mean, I agree with that, absolutely. Uh, this movie, I actually never saw this movie up until this week when I watched it for the first time. And, like, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good watch. Uh, the ending wasn't, you know, like, the second to last part before the actual ending was, like, uh, couldn't care less about that. But, like, anytime they tried to explain what was happening in the Shimmer, I was just like, I'm too dumb for this. <laughs> You're throwing all this out at me. I can't comprehend this. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of why, I mean... All respect to Alex Garland, but sometimes his movies, I feel like they board, they they uh, like hit right on the borderline between being like just high concept and being like pretentious, like 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 if you're too, if you don't get it, you're too dumb to understand it type of thing. Oh, interesting. Well, speaking of that, we get to his newest movie, which is Men. This is about a woman who goes on a holiday to a secluded home in the English countryside, where she becomes trapped by the invasive behaviors of various men. Matt, what did you think? Would you recommend this? I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty solid. I have to admit, I it wasn't fully invested in the in the beginning. It took a while for it to get going for me. But once it got going, especially with that final sequence and all the pieces kind of fell together and you're like, oh that's that's what that is. Um and then it just when it just falls into that that like sheer body horror, that's when it really had me and that's what I think if nothing else that's what made it worth the price of admission. 
Another one, probably not as strong as Effort. I'd say I put it about the same level as Annihilation as far as how much I enjoyed it. There were a lot of good parts to it. Um, I thought Jesse Buckley was fantastic. I thought Rory Kinnear was... He did, I thought he did such a good job in the multiple roles in playing all those different characters like that. Um, definitely well worth the watch, but I hesitate to recommend it to just anybody, like a typical horror fan, because it's not your, your like, fun horror movie at the movies, you, you know, except for the people behind us that kept giggling and laughing whenever there was a penis on the screen. Yeah, it was, we had a tough crowd. Yeah, but um, that was uh, actually that was um, uh, Robert that was... Eggers. That was Robert Eggers. <laughs> no, that was Tyler practicing his ventriloquism voice throwing skills. <laughs> um, you thought there were a few rows away, but it was right next to you. I mean, A twenty four distributed it. It's very, it's a very A twenty four esque film. I, I think for, <laughs> yeah that's fair that's I think very fair. if you're an a24 fan and you're and you like the kind of movies that they put out you'll enjoy it um it, like I said it might not be quite a general audience movie hmm. is is that really if you're an a24 fan so you're like like if you like everything everywhere you're just gonna love this like <laughs> maybe not love I know it, what but... he means a certain there's a certain uh, there's a certain quality to it that I understand what you're saying. Tyler, what did you think of Men? So, you know, I've been, like, going back and forth from what I thought about this movie. Um, it, I don't even, like, know. I enjoyed it. When I first watched it, I enjoyed it. Um, trying to think about what it means. Like, my brain is all wrapped up in a pretzel, and I'm like, I don't know. Was I supposed <laughs> to get anything out of this? Was I supposed to just be like, ah, oh, that, was, that was spooky. It effectively, like, was frightening enough like in certain scenes i felt it did a very good job at horror and i mean it's a horror movie so props to that um i don't necessarily think you need like a clear-cut meaning i'm i'm glad i got a movie that's kind of open to interpretation but i just don't think it stuck the landing with everything it tried um but i definitely give it props but once again to think that this is a guy who opened his directorial debut with ex machina and like this is just not on that level but if you're a horror fan and you like other Alex Garland's other work, I definitely recommend it. Give it a watch and come up with your own opinion on it. Yeah, I I like this movie too, and it made me think, which is more than I can say for a lot of films, but I don't love this, and as much as I tried to think about it, it didn't leave a big impression on me either way. It's entertaining without being thrilling. And this movie seems more interested in sparking conversation than it is in scaring you. I'd recommend it to people who are in the mood for an intellectual challenge. I don't know if this will satisfy people who are just looking for a creep-out horror movie. Like, don't get me wrong, Tyler, like you said, it is creepy at parts. It is freaky, definitely. There's some definitely some gross-out stuff. But I wasn't sitting there, like, scared. I, I just want to add to that. Well, I, I do think there were parts that were creepy, I did say that, but this movie has a very slow build-up to that, so if you're going yes. for a horror movie, you're going to be spending most of the movie disappointed. Yeah, know? that's kind of what I was getting at, like, it took a while for it to get going to a point where I enjoyed it fully. The title is very provocative, I will, I, I'm going to, hats off to the trailer for that, for, like, showing the whole story, and then labeling on that title, like... Good, good job. You sparked some reactions. Um, 
But every interpretation I had of this film, I didn't know if it was an asset or a detriment to the movie or if those even have to be mutually exclusive. So I'll be questioning myself quite a bit on this episode. Probably won't be articulating things that well, so my apologies. There is one thing that there isn't a question of, and that that's that these performances are great. We have Jesse Buckley as Harper. But the more I thought about this, I'm like, we don't know much about Harper. We know about her traumatic relationship with her husband, soon to be ex-husband, who commits suicide. And that's not a spoiler. That's in the trailer. He may or may not have. Okay, yes, that's true. That's true. We don't don't know. Um, And we know that she is going to the countryside to kind of heal and to rest up and do what she wants to do. And beyond that, is there really anything else we know about her? She works for like two seconds on kind of a generic, she gets like sales reports or whatever. But it's like, like what information do we have? And again, it was one of those things that like, I don't, I don't know if this is a good thing about the movie or not. If it's like, Oh, she's only being defined in terms of, like, the men in this... Well, I guess we we could interpret it as all these men who look the same around her could be a, like, reflection of her anxieties or her past experiences with them. But beyond that, um, she is uh, just very reactionary to things. And I think... I feel like Jesse Buckley almost, like, tricks us because she's such a good performer tricks us into thinking that there's like more to the character that the movie presents if that makes sense yeah you bring up a good point there yeah which um again i you know i don't want to criticize the movie because i'm not sure that it's a failing of the movie but one thing i noticed as part of it and then we have rory kinnear as several parts we have him as as jeffrey the the landlord of the house that Harper is renting, the policeman, the men in the bar, the bartender, the vicar, the kid. So when you guys saw his face on the child, I, what, I, what was the reaction I, to that? Can I open that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the most uncanny valley thing I've ever seen. I'm like, that's not a human being. <laughs> so, looks so, so unnatural. <laughs> but it... Again, it was like, is that meant to be off-putting, or is it just, like, bad? I have no idea. I think that someone watched Polar Express. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to talk about that more later. Yeah, Yeah, I I imagine in the production of this movie, and the people who worked on this are more confident than, than anything, but... I'm imagining that during this, somebody's reading the script, the special effects is like, oh, all right, we're going to play this, 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 and this. And then he's like, oh, you have a child in the script. Who are we casting for that? And they go, oh, it's going to be Rory. He's not a child, though. Eh, His face could be a child. We could stretch it unnaturally. Why? (laughs) I mean, mean, that... That could just add to the horror. You could just look at it that way. That's what I was trying to do, but I'm like, again, I don't, it is I a don't know if this is effective or not. What was the point of the Marilyn Monroe mask? Oh, I don't. I was trying to figure out that too because it's it's on the boy, then it's on the crow later. I don't know. 
I don't know if it was like trying to feign friendliness towards Harper, and then once it's unmasked and it's just this horrid little boy, I don't know. I think it's just hyping us up for the movie Blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Men is just one big commercial for Blonde. Uh, And then the forest guy, which was interesting. So what did you guys think was the purpose of all of these men appearing as the same? feel like the the general oh you know what we're not getting into spoilers so i can't i can't say what i'm gonna say right now all right fair enough can we all right we'll table it until later yeah because i i want to i can't yeah i can't i can't make that thought without spoil going full spoiler so you know i think i feel like this is a movie that's very difficult to talk about without spoilers so should we just do spoiler warning now yeah, let's get yeah, it. Let's All right, spoiler it. warning now. All right, so go ahead with your response. Why do all these guys look the same? So my interpretation is that I feel like the the forest guy was like the main sort of spirit creature, whatever you want to call it. At first I was thinking like, you know, things just started going sideways after she went for that walk in the woods and that went to that tunnel and the forest guy started coming through. But then again, that doesn't explain why Jeffrey... You know, Jeffrey is a part of it too, and she meets him before she meets the. So I I don't know where we're where we can necessarily delineate when it becomes this. I guess I took it as supernatural chain of events. If it was there the whole time, or if it was something she stumbled upon and like un- unleashed upon herself by going to the wrong neck of the woods. I don't know. Hmm. Tyler, what were you gonna say? So, I, I mean, my interpretation that I'm kind of stuck with now is, like, that the the men of this movie are kind of supposed to represent, like, toxic masculinity traits. Like, you know, the vicar of, like, oh, well, it was your fault. Like, you should feel bad for what happened. Um, you got Jeffrey's just kind of, like, I don't know, I guess his uncomfortableness, kind of, like, his, the way he acts. Um, and then you got, like, the forest guy, you know, stalking women nude. You know, that's... <laughs> that's but uh, no, I just kind of took it as like it's taking the same forms because it's it's like it's this presence that's just representing like the bad of I don't even know where I'm going. But, <laughs> but my my I guess my I guess my my question coming out of it too is like is is this a supernatural deal or is it something? Are these men in her head and is she is she like manifesting it, it, like like a almost like a form of schizophrenia or something? Right, so you're saying is it a literal translation of are there literally all these men or is this a projection of her anxieties right. or it, experiences, is, that kind of like, thing? Are these men technically tangible? Do any of them actually like touch her or grab her? or I, I can't remember. Uh, well, the, the vicar does touch her leg. Okay. So it could be. It could also be that they are just like sextuplets. Who all just took very different paths in life. But that still doesn't explain the ending, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them is a mutant, and it's all good. <laughs> no, but I'm mean, kind of explaining what I what what I see is I think it is kind of her, like, um, projecting onto this like all these toxic traits all seen by like one person like all but like she's seeing them everywhere like in every occupation kind of but then i just don't understand like the woman cop and stuff like i really I oh yeah that's a good point (laughs) i mean this has to be supernatural right because they show that altar thing in the church yeah they keep focusing on it so i'm guessing that has something to do with it but they don't really explain that's what I was gonna say though. Like, I feel like there's some kind of like spirit tied to this these woods or whatever, that maybe like mm-hmm. manifested itself based on her, her um, projections that we're talking about. So maybe it's like a yeah. combination of both her, her sort of manifesting these traits in this supernatural being, or it sort of becoming a manifestation of her struggles. If that makes yeah, sense. it could be. It could be both. I mean. Um, I, I guess that's the point of this movie is to get people to think about and try and hash it out. Yeah. Which that's kind of fun. But Well, we it is fun. And the only other male that we get in the movie is James, played by Papa Sidhu. Uh, and again, it was like the scenes between them, especially when they're fighting and they're yelling at each other, were very effective, even if the people in our theater thought that it was funny for a man to threaten suicide. But... Um, they were very effective. Both of them were at the top of their game acting. But again, we don't know the, uh, much about the relationship between them, except for the fact that James seems to be emotionally and physically abusive of Harper. We just kind of see like the very tail end of the relationship. Um, and I do like how it was all cast when we get those flashbacks, like in that, that orange. It made everything like very claustrophobic mm-hmm. and heated. I thought that was very cool, but again, it left me with more questions of like what exactly broke down their relationship. I took that relationship to kind of be he was emotionally abusive, not physically abusive, because of how she reacted when he hit her. That was kind okay. of like a first. Well, yeah, I mean, I I included but, that moment, but go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, um, but I was just gonna say like I think it was that just he was like a emotionally abusive and not in a way that like just forcing them to stay together and she got finally got to a breaking point where it's like this isn't working and he went all in like well i'm gonna kill myself if you don't like as a, a tactic to show like oh you better stay with me and i think when he hit her it was just kind of showing like how far like just what happened when she finally said like she finally took her own agency back of saying like um hey i just can't do this anymore and like he got violent immediately and like that's just kind of how the relationship went like it's she was living in his what like his world kind of like by his rules and as soon as she tried to break from that he immediately got violent and then obviously he seemed emotionally abusive anyway but it got even to the point of where he's like i'm just gonna kill myself then like Hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point um we also the other intimate relationship here is with riley who is Listed as Harper's sister online. Did you guys get that during the film? I thought they might have been, but they never made it clear, so I assume they were just friends. Uh, Gail Rankin plays Riley. What did you guys think her her purpose in the movie was? Because she's always talking to Harper on the phone, and she's very defensive of her. She wants her to stay there, but also 
once stuff goes down then she is willing to drive to get her do you guys think that the movie would have stayed the same if her character had just been taken out completely i think so i don't think she really added that much to it it's kind of more like an expositionary character like just there's something to explain what's going on to i just wanted was gonna ask about the text message that when she texted her the address do you think that was riley that texted back like i know where you are you stupid bitch well i that could be further evidence that there is a that's the like supernatural a, interpretation yeah. going on because yeah like even <laughs> like even if jeffrey got her number how could he text from <laughs> riley's phone and why would the phone also just keep cutting out as soon as she's about to drop her location so well the, yeah the phone the phone static with like the screaming person was like a thing throughout the movie and never really explained <laughs> Maybe it was like a Scream 5 deal where there's two <laughs> there's oh, two men creatures. It could be. Well, there were like seven know. in this. But I, I did like that this movie showed this like... I think the thing that happens to many people is like this tendency to downplay the horror in your life, right? Because this is after the scene where the nude forest man is stalking Harper. Effective scene... You're just really, really waiting and waiting and waiting for that moment when she's finally, like, going to see him. Uh, it just, like, requires a lot of patience. But, and then afterwards, you know, this is, like, a weird naked guy right outside of your secluded vacation home. That's a terrifying situation. And then when she's talking with the cop, you know, they, then they just kind of, like, laugh it off. And I think that's something that we all do. We're all so committed when we're communicating with other people to like save not save face but like to maintain a happy face if that makes sense we all want to act like everything's good all the time so you know i feel like people lie every day how are you i'm good how are you i'm good so many people aren't good yeah live in the dream and like (laughs) uh we're so committed to the mask that i i thought this this movie depicted that very well and Tyler, like you said, it does invite the many, many interpretations of gender relations and toxic male behavior. You know, the invasion of space is a very blatant one with the forest man appearing. We have, so the home with the red walls, great set piece. And we have Harper in there. She wants to go in there, but then anytime she tries to go outside into the outer world to do what she wants, we have men that are pushing her back, forcing her back into the home. Anytime she leaves to do something she wants, it's back in the home, back in the home, back in the home. So that kind of thing, too. Um, the vicar's speech towards the end when he has kind of trapped her in the bathroom, I, I thought that was uh, well done, depicting sort of like the hypocrisy of men's attitudes towards women's sexuality. There was like... You know, he thinks that she is an expert in the carnal, the carnal arts or whatever he says very weirdly. Um, and it is like this, this desire and this almost like sense of entitlement that, that men have. But then there's the hypocritical side of like, we often criticize women for expressing sexuality and all this kind of stuff. And so that was their victim blaming, right? We have... 
the naked man who's released it and this also goes back to the forest man and i apologize for rambling but we have the forest man who gets increasingly more and more decked out in leaves and greenery throughout the whole thing and i did think this was a pretty powerful symbol of like the way that we often um you know in patriarchal society we we put men first we value men uh, ahead of women um but then also we do this thing where like we excuse male behavior by interpreting man as a creature of impulses as like a natural creature right they're like oh that nude man he was just like dizzy so he wandered into your yard nude or when the vicar is talking to harper about why james hit her he's like well you know it wasn't very nice but he was angry so it's like an excuse like a natural impulse is an excuse um often for men which is obviously not right but again it was another another note that this hit on yeah i took the um like the pub scene where the cops explaining like where like oh you know he just you know he just wandered into your thing that was kind of like him gaslighting her um yeah i doubt when he's like i doubt he even saw you once yeah like, like and i think that's kind of what you said mike earlier about what you said earlier about how like it's kind of like laughed off at the beginning of like you know this is like hey this is how we're supposed to go on and then it quickly devolves into like hey, you know, he wasn't even doing anything wrong, really. Like, it was just, you know, it just happened. I took that to be, like, even when she's, like, trying to downplay it, and then they're, like, gaslighting her into saying, like, well, you should downplay it. Like, you feel, like, kind of like your feelings aren't valid type of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And I've, I've tried to, like, search for meaning beyond the gender relations stuff. What else is in here? There's a lot about anxiety, a lot about fears, a lot about, um, complicated grief as well because you know harper harper's husband they were soon to be ex-spouses um but he did commit suicide directly or he may have been just trying to climb down a railing to their apartment but either way a horrible accident or suicide impaled him on a gate happened right in front of her and there's complicated grief there right because of course this was somebody that um had hurt her but she had once cared about and also just anybody dying in front of you is horribly traumatic so there's a complicated grief there um so you know i think i'm gonna have to keep searching for for interpretations of this movie but let's get to one final one and that's the birth at the end so this is when this goes into full supernatural harper's being chased by all the different versions of men jeffrey <laughs> Jeffrey, who's been a calm gentleman so far. Oh, by the way, I think Jeffrey should get his own cop show. <laughs> and he's standing in the yard and he's like, listen, if there's any silly business here, I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to stand for it. You know what? I just I, want I... that in the world of crime. We get the birth, right? This is where all the men just start uh releasing a a fully formed but bloody adult fetus of just the so it's i don't remember the order but it's jeffrey <laughs> giving birth to the vicar who's given birth to the bartender to the cop to the boy to this and this and that and then finally it, it ends up with james i'm sorry go ahead wasn't jeffrey directly into the woods guy 
I I have uh, no idea. I think it's your the your <laughs> your memory is as good as mine. Because uh, I think after Jeffrey crashed the car and she was in the yard, the Woods guy appeared. So he was the first in line to give birth. Oh, okay. That's does yeah. That, that makes that, sense. Did that affect the story at all, though? Yeah. Other did than, that affect than, your interpretation? A hundred percent. Yeah. Other than. I mean, as long as it still ended with James, I don't know if the order order mattered that much. I'm I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just I'm just giving this movie its, its credit. Well, what did you think? What did you think of this birth sequence? So at first, I was like, "Oh, that's nasty," and I kind of did keep thinking that. But then I just thought, like, this is going on too long. Okay, yeah. it's just, it's like the tenth time we've seen it. I'm... Even Jesse Buckley is just like, "Ah, uh, all right." <laughs> they just had her like just walk into the other room and just kind of look back, like, "Yep, that's happening." <laughs> Yeah, I remember thinking that too. Like, are they are they really gonna do each each of them right in hell? Like, there were like seven of these yeah. men. It's gonna take all night. Well, the latter the latter well, twenty minutes of the movie is just this scene of each. Man. Yeah, if you were traumatized by watching a video in health class of a woman giving birth, then I don't recommend this movie because it happens nine times. That part where I forget which one, but like when the feet start to come out of the guy's mouth. Uh, What I was picturing in that moment was like the two feet start spinning and he just like lifts up away. Like it's a little (laughs) helicopter. (laughs) That's what I pictured. I would have lost it. I would have joined those people. Yeah. I, I guess it could also go to this like generational passing of, of these poor traits, of these poor lessons, and maybe the like length of it is a bit. You're maybe you got the reaction you were supposed to get of like, when is this going to stop? When can we go right? And it's also this this paired with you know in the very end we see Riley finally show up, and she is pregnant, and this whole thing raises the question of like, every time that there is a new life that is going to be born. There is a question of, can we do better? Can we let the child not repeat the same mistakes that their, you know, their parents and their ancestors have made? Um, but again, another another one I'm going to have to keep gnawing on. Well, I just want to ask a question. How did you interpret, not that ending, but right before it, where James comes into the room and sits down next to her and she's like, well, what do you want? And he just goes, your love. And then it just kind of cuts. Wait, what, what is that supposed to be? Like, I was, I was so confused. <laughs> Same. I don't want to go for the obvious interpretation of, like, he is only valuing her. Or maybe, maybe that was him finally getting to say what he could never articulate in life. You know what I mean? And I'm not defending it, but like when they get the scene earlier before when he's like, I'm going to commit suicide if you don't stay with me or whatever. Perhaps that was him finally just telling her simply what he had to destroy her to tell her before. Um, Also ending with the birth ending with him is perhaps like, you know, we get all these generations of men passing down all these different sorts of behaviors and traits and it ends with James, who hits his wife, threatens to emotionally destroy his wife by committing suicide, 
and that's that's often what it has ended up with i don't know i could be totally wrong in that and i'm totally willing to believe that i'm wrong but that was a thought at least i i wasn't a fan of it myself i felt like it kind of it basically let the men win in a way at the end because she's just like okay am, am i misinterpreting you... that you think I don't know if it was, like, an okay of, like, agreement. No, but, like, I... Well, I, I guess... I guess when you... If I think about it again, like, maybe it's just, like, an like an exhaustion. Like, an okay out of exhaustion. Like, fine. Well, I don't... Because it, then it, it after that... It basically shows that these, you know, these... This creature or these themes or whatever basically just broke her... To the po- or not broke her, but like exhausted her to the point where she's just like fine. I don't know. I don't know because then after that we have Riley showing up and she sees Harper alone and Harper is alone. Uh, sorry, I just said that alone and smiling. She seems satisfied in the end. Well, do you think maybe it was like a? I'm just kind of thinking this now, but like, do you think everything she went through in that movie was a result of James' threat of, like, you're going to have to live with this if I do it? Mm. And it's kind of her living through it. And then finally when she gets to the end and he's like, well, I just wanted your love. And she's kind of finally accepting it. Like, I, I suffered for this and now I can move on. Like, it, I understand, like, this wasn't my fault. And, like, I, like now, I, now at the end she's kind of happy because, like, she's past it. Could be. I hope so. Yeah. I mean... Uh, good for her. I, I I want that for her. She she didn't deserve any of this. Yeah. Like kind of like a okay. You've you've made your point. Like this is horrible. Like you've you've destroyed it. But now like I see what you've wanted this whole time. And now like I'm moving on from this. Hmm. Yeah, it could be kind of accepting what he like what his goal was. By That's doing true. What he did. That might be. Yeah. I. uh apologies for the the lack of conviction with the, the <laughs> interpretations today you can either accept or discard any or all uh or tell of us the things own. we've said yeah, yeah go, tell us go your see own it and tell yeah us go see own. it let us your own and you know what i will say maybe we sh- you know we should be more lax on the lack of conviction because it's cool to have a movie like this where you don't really know what the heck is going on I absolutely agree with that. Maybe that's the goal, to have your own interpretation, get whatever you want out of it. Yeah. The goal is to just be kind, even if you don't know what's going on. There's a there's a great quote by David Lynch that I, I was talking to you about this, Matt, the other day. And it it was an interview he did a couple of years ago, and it's like, I think of it as my most spiritual film. And the interview was like, oh, expand, that, expand on that, please. And David Lynch just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with with that said, we are going to continue the game that we started on the Northman episode. The game is there are four directors, maybe more, but I identified four who have their third feature film, directorial feature film out this year. Robert Eggers, Alex Garden, Jordan Peele, and Ari Aster. And so far we have gotten Eggers and Garland. So guys, tell me between the two, who's in first? Um... I'd I'd say Eggers just because I think his first two movies I really liked and I enjoyed The Northman, whereas uh, Garland I really liked his first movie and just kind of liked his second two. Yeah, I got a second that because I mean at least Eggers has stayed consistent as far as like his quality, like his movies. 
I, I'd consider his movies roughly on the same level, all three of them. Mm. Whereas Garland has kind of had a mixed bag. Well, more like a... <laughs> well, a mixed bag, yeah, but also, I mean, he, he kind of started at the top and he hasn't quite hit that goal again yet. Yeah, it's tough for me to say because... Um... Similar to you guys, Ex Machina is my favorite of these six movies. Um, But also there's the fact that, as I mentioned on the Northman episode, The Lighthouse should be a favorite movie of mine, and it is far from it. In fact, I I don't really even like the second half of that movie. So I'm going to give a slight, slight edge to Alex Garland, but I'll probably flip flip-flop back and forth with that but i'm gonna say garland for now whereas both you guys are eggers we shall see when nope comes out in a couple of months here that's very exciting but until then please let us know what your interpretation of this movie obviously we are in need of of some intelligent opinions so please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com if you like the show please rate and review on your favorite podcast apps Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod, and our Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sipkis, and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat, and on Letterboxd at MGallat, which I need to update. Thank you all for listening. We love having you here, and we'll see you next time. It's raining men. Hallelujah. Stay down to bone. (laughs) Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel. Thank you.